0: You turn with me in your bibles to second corinthians chapter 4. We're going to read the first 6 verses this morning. Second Corinthians chapter 4 verses 1 through 6. Hear the word of the Lord. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. We have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, is shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we ask for your blessing again upon your word. We ask for your spirit to assist us in reading and and hearing the preached Word of God, we pray that you would give us hearts, minds to receive it. Pray, Father, as well, that you would help us to know how to apply your Word, uh, not just to today, but to every hour of our life, whether we eat, whether we drink, whatever we do, that we would seek to do it all to your glory through the principles of your Word, through the wisdom of your Word, through the power of your Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So I I, I was reading the news this week. I try not to do that every week. But I was this week. And uh, I saw an article about an Arizona state lawmaker. Did you hear about this? Fascinating. An Arizona state lawmaker was caught on tape hiding Bibles in the members-only lounge inside the state house. So in other words, there are Bibles that are on display prominently, about two or three of them in the lounges so that the congressmen can you know, maybe consult the Bible before they make life-changing decisions for the sake of the state of Arizona. Well, this woman, who is one of the state representatives, uh, every time she goes into the lounge, she hides all the Bibles. Literally, um, uh, they were trying to figure out what was happening to the Bibles for, for about three weeks. Uh, at one time, they found the Bibles later underneath the couch cushions. The next week, they found them in the refrigerator in the staff kitchen. And then the third week, again, they were underneath the furniture of of the, uh, of the couches in the, in the room. And uh, by the second week, uh, someone decided to put a camera in there to see what was going on. And so lo and behold, it was this, this uh, representative. Uh, her name is Stephanie Stahl Hamilton, one of the representatives of Arizona. She was caught red-handed uh, trying to hide all the Bibles. But Here's, here's the punchline to this, though. Stephanie is supposedly an ordained minister in the PCUSA. Let me you know, clarify. The PCUSA and the PCA are not the same denominations. PCUSA is the more liberal, mainline denomination. They'll ordain just about anybody, just so you know. Um, but in this case, they did ordain Stephanie, and she was a youth director in a church as well as a camp director for a number of years before becoming a politician. And now she's hiding Bibles from her fellow congressmen so that they will not consult the Bible on their off hours in their leisure time. It makes you wonder, was she hiding Bibles at camp from all the campers? Was she hiding Bibles from the youth when she was a youth director? Is this her calling in life to hide Bibles so that nobody can see them? Or is, perchance is it because maybe, just maybe, she herself is blind to the gospel And hates it so much that she wants to hide it from anyone else who might actually come under its influence. Very, I mean, just the news nowadays. I mean, this is why I don't read the news. Every time I'm like, really? This? In our text this morning, the Apostle Paul says he has renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. Sort of like this ordained minister is doing. Literally hiding things. Literally what he means by that is they're not doing anything secretive trying to hide the message of, of God's Word by any of the methods that they're using, he and his fellow apostles and evangelists that are going out in the name of Christ. Uh, but rather, they're trying to do everything in good conscience according to God's Word. Now, and you'll, uh, you'll find this again and again. This is a long epistle that Paul has written. And you'll find that Second Corinthians as a whole is an epistle in which much ink is spilt defending Paul's ministry which you would think would not be something that Paul would want to spend a whole lot of time doing, but because he's constantly under attack by these false apostles, that he has to spend more time talking about himself than he does about his actual message. So our passage this morning is is one of those particular passages where he's having to defend his ministry again. And so you'll see that... Uh, Uh, It gets a little bit complicated, but I want to give you the four accusations that are being made against him So you can understand what he's defending here in this particular text. So here are the four accusations in advance First they're accusing Paul of doing disgraceful underhanded things as a minister Secondly, they're saying that he has somehow tampered with God's word itself Third he has obscured the overall message of the scriptures by his preaching and then fourth he has engaged in a campaign of ongoing self-promotion. All right, so this is what we're going to be addressing this morning, but we will get around to the application. But it, it, it's interesting, if these things were true of what uh, Paul's accusers are saying about him, they would be completely justified in pointing it out. They would be completely justified in saying, this guy should not be an apostle, he should not be a preacher of God's word, et etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But because it's all false and it's slanderous to his name, instead it's detracting The church from hearing Paul's message, and that's the actual intent. So just as Stephanie is hiding Bible so that no one can hear God's Word, these men are constantly focusing on Paul so that they can't hear what Paul's having to say, right? It it makes sense what they're doing. The irony of the situation is the fact that the very things they're accusing him of, they're guilty of all those things themselves, right? And so first, uh, let's look at that first accusation. Paul is engaging somehow in disgraceful, underhanded actions. In other words, he's doing something in secret that he ought to be ashamed of. If he were caught on camera, everyone would be uh, uh, thinking very poorly of him. And and in fact, that's what they're they're accusing him either of something, maybe he's committed some form of sexual immorality, maybe he's embezzling uh, funds from the church. Uh, This is what they're accusing him of. So later on in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 16, Paul was sharing that they had accused him of being crafty and deceptive in other words, he's trying to get more money out of, the, out of the Corinthians. If you remember, this church is unique in Paul's ministry. Most other churches, they actually help support him in his ministry. But in Corinth, he refuses to take a dime from them because they keep accusing him of wanting their money. Right? So we, we've talked about this before. These false apostles, on the other hand, are, have come into the church, and they're expecting everyone to give them money. And yet they're accusing Paul of trying to, to steal from them so if you remember paul had called them peddlers of god's word they want money they're just doing this for money and yet they're accusing paul of doing that very thing then second they're also accusing paul of being cunning and tampering with god's word in in the greek literally it means this idea of of uh, you're, you're willing to do anything and everything to carry out your purpose regardless of having a moral compass in your personal life it was cunning for instance, how the Pharisees and the teachers of the law uh, would purposely send spies in, if you remember, to ask Jesus particular questions in order to trick him into saying something that he wouldn't want to say. Uh, this is exactly what Paul is being accused of, that somehow he's doing things underhandedly. He's, he's being very cunning in, in his attempts and his methods. Uh, but particularly, they also accuse him of tampering with God's word. Now, that you, you would think no one would accuse Paul of that, but, but it would make sense from their perspective. What they're accusing him of is basically minimizing the law of Moses. They're basically saying, you're taking away from the word of God by preaching to the Gentiles that they have freedom in Christ. They don't have to do all of these other things. But if you remember, uh, based upon the Jerusalem Council, <clears throat> later on when all this becomes a, a big issue in the church, we find that even the, the, the church in Jerusalem says, no, the Gentiles do not have to do all these things that the Jews are accustomed to doing. They only have to do four simple things just so that they don't offend the Jews when they're in the same fellowship, if you will, right? Uh, but nevertheless, they're accusing Paul of having basically tampered with, with, with God's word. And Again, the, the word in the Greek suggests a sort of a diluting of the message by adding some foreign element into the message, and that's exactly what's going on with these men. They're taking away from the good news of the gospel by adding all of these other components, and yet they're accusing Paul of that. Um, it's interesting, one of my uh, uh, Colombian pastor friends had introduced me, I think I told you before, to a rapper by the name of Shai Lin. Uh, Shy Lin is um, uh, sort of a stigma uh, in his own society. A number of people hate him, even in the rapping world, uh, because of one song that he wrote called False Teachers. And in that song, uh, in fact, the S's for false and teachers, there's two S's there. He he puts uh, the dollar sign instead of the letter S to show you the intention behind his his song. Um, But literally in that song, he's basically talking about all those who preach the health and wealth gospel and how they're misleading millions of people. And particularly, it's interesting, in the very beginning of the song, he dedicates the song to all of his brothers and sisters in Africa who are now victims of American theology because we're exporting this health and wealth gospel out to millions of people. And so, but what he does that most other people don't do is he starts to name drop in the song. And after every one of them, he'll mention their name and then say, false teacher, over and over again, false teacher. And so literally he says, Joel Osteen, false teacher. Creflo Dollar, Benny Hinn, T.D. Jakes, Joyce Meyer, Paula White, Fred Price, Kenneth Copeland, Robert Tilton, Eddie Long, Juanita Bynum, and Paul Crouch. If you know any of these names, you have any of these books on your shelf, burn them now. And I imagine some of you might have them. Uh, in fact, I, I went to the local bookstore recently, one of the sellers of used books You can tell a lot about a a local community by what they read. You go into the local bookstore. This is on one of the, the back streets in Fenton, you know, where all the shady people live. And you go in the bookstore and they have a religious section. In that religious section, literally, I can find at least 70 copies of Joel Osteen's books. And then every other book that's for sale that's been read by somebody else in this community is from one of the names on this list. I think I found one book that I would possibly recommend, and even with that I'd be like, maybe not. But the rest of them, pure trash. That's what most of your neighbors are reading. That's what most of the people in this community think is the gospel. Our community is in desperate need to have someone tell them what the true gospel actually says. But literally, that's, that's what, and I guarantee you, if you don't live in Fenton, you live in Howell, you live in some other town that's nearby, I guarantee you it's the same way. I mean, even there's a, there's a bookstore in, in Flint that's, that sells new books. Don't even bother. Most of it there is just pure trash. And that's what's constantly being sold in our culture. That's, they're false teachers. That's what they are. Um, it, it, it's just a shame that that's, uh, uh, people think that's what the gospel teaches. It has nothing to do with that at all. But that's what Paul is being accused of trying to get things for money, but that's exactly what they're doing instead. Then third, these false teachers... We're saying that Paul had obscured the overall message of the Scriptures, which is why they're saying the average Jew isn't buying it. In other words, most of the Jews are not accepting the gospel, but rather turning against him and calling him a false teacher. Now, this accusation has a little bit more bite to it because there is some truth in what they're saying. A number of Jews had rejected the message and felt like it was obscure, that it was somehow veiled to them. We talked about this last week. But Paul's point here is that the gospel itself, his gospel, is not veiled, but rather it's veiled to them because they can't see it. Um, uh, But again, just the fact that it's difficult doesn't mean that it's veiled. If you remember the Apostle Peter, when he is uh, speaking of some of Paul's letters, some of his writings, he admits that some things in Paul's letters are hard to understand, which he says that the ignorant and unstable people will twist to their own destruction just as they do other scriptures. So he's saying it's not that there's something wrong with Paul's teachings, but rather it's someone who is blind that is distorting what he's saying and trying to make it say something else that it does not say. Paul's gospel and the gospel of Christ is not so academic that the average person can't understand it. They can. The problem is the average person is blinded by their sin and doesn't want to understand it. That's what we're up against. It's not the fact that it's so hard to comprehend. The Apostle Paul acknowledges this as well in verse 3. He says, even if our gospel is veiled or obscured, it's only veiled to those who are perishing. Paul had already made this distinguishing difference, if you remember when he talked about the gospel, how it's a sweet-smelling aroma to those who are being saved, but rather this putrid smell to those who are, who are perishing. It's the same way here. Instead of using the olfactory senses, now he's referring to the ocular or the visual senses. Before they, could, they couldn't smell it. Now they can't see it. Again, we talk about a, a spiritually dead person. They, all the senses, they cannot pick up on what the, the gospel of Christ is actually te- teaching. So they miss it. It's not that the gospel itself is obscure. They just don't have eyes to see it. This is exactly what John Calvin uh, once said. He said, the blindness of unbelievers in no way detracts from the clearness of the gospel. For the sun is no less resplendent because the blind person cannot perceive it. You follow me? Basically, a blind person is the only person that I know of that can stare directly at the sun without any problem, but yet still not get any enjoyment from it because he can't perceive. And that's exactly what the Author of Hebrews says, chapter 1, verse 3, Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God if you can see it. But if you're blind to it, Jesus is nothing to you, you see. And that's exactly what Paul's saying, uh, that Paul himself has experienced that very problem. Remember? When Paul is on his way to the road, uh, on on the road to Damascus, he's on his way to persecute Christians. He has no idea how blind he is until literally he sees the glory of Christ. It's so bright that it blinds him. And then it's after the scales fall off of his eyes that finally he can see the glory of Christ. And that's when his calling is given to him as well to go to the Gentiles to literally, it says, to open their eyes so that they might turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among the saints. So it's, it's not that Paul's ministry is obscure, but that his detractors can't understand it because they themselves are blind to the gospel, so they have become blind guides to others as well. In fact, verse 4 is a very important verse to understand what we're up against anytime we speak to our unsaved neighbors and friends and coworkers. um. Uh, Paul says in verse 4, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So when when we're telling others about the glory of Christ, we have to remember the fleshly self of any person does not have eyes to see it. Doesn't have ears to hear it does not have a heart to receive it There's there's a spiritual stupor that hangs over them like spiritual scales on their eyes that keeps them from Perceiving the truth, which is the very reason why they're not a believer They can't see it so What does that mean? Well, it means that we always have to rely upon the Holy Spirit to help us in any attempt to talk to anyone about Christ Because apart from the Holy Spirit's illumination, they can't see. They literally can't understand what you're talking about. not, Not in the sense of, again, logic. They get the logic of what you're saying, but they can't perceive the truth of it apart from the work of the Holy Spirit helping them. I have to remember that even as a preacher. You can spend hours and hours in the study preparing a sermon to give to your congregation, but if the Holy Spirit is not helping the congregational members to receive it, I'm wasting my time. It's the same way with you. When you're trying to talk to someone you dearly love about the gospel, if if you're not praying, relying upon the Holy Spirit to help them receive it, you can't argue anyone into heaven. Your, Your logic alone is not going to change anyone's mind. Even your own testimony as a Christian, no matter how strong it is, it's not going to change anyone's mind unless the Holy Spirit is giving them. The power to receive it. <clears throat> now, I, I want to I give this caveat though as well. We also have to remember that the Lord is sovereign over the devil, even in his work of blinding unbelievers. Now, this is the part where I may lose some of you. John chapter 12, verse 39, the apostle explains how a number of Jews in Jesus' day did not believe the gospel because God Himself had blinded their eyes from seeing Christ until the appointed time. And he's using uh, Isaiah as the example of this, saying that during the time of Israel, the Israelites were also blinded from receiving the truth until the judgment of Israel had come upon them. And only then would they be able to see the glory of God. So, so which is it? Is it God blinding unbelievers? Or is it the devil blinding unbelievers? Which is it? Yes. God is blinding unbelievers but using the devil to carry out his work. In his inscrutable judgments, his inscrutable, unfathomable ways, the Lord is bringing blindness upon a spiritually dead person out of his sense of judgment and justice. The devil does it simply out of malevolence. He simply does it out of spite and hate. But nevertheless... The Lord is the one who's overseeing Let, let me, let me prove, prove this to you from very strange Scripture passages. Do uh, you remember uh, when King David sinned by counting the number of soldiers and the, the census in Israel? Do you remember this? There are, there are two very, very important passages that describe the difference between this. One is in First Chronicles, Chronicles chapter 21, verse 1. 1. There they we're told that the devil incited David to do this, and therefore David fell into the sin. But But then, then in the corresponding corresponding passage, passage, in 2 Samuel 24, verse 1, we're we're told that the Lord himself incited David David to number Israel. Israel. Thank Thank you. Because Because his his anger was kindled against against the nation, nation, and and, and, and and therefore he brought this this trial and and, and temptation upon him. But but it's it's not not as if God and and Satan are somehow co-laborers, if you will, or they're both carrying out a scheme where they both have mutual interests, but rather it's this way. The devil, the devil is literally carrying out, carrying out God's, God's will, even though he though doesn't, doesn't know it. Right? Right? You, remember you remember when, when Job, is Job is being, being tempted? Right? Right? Satan, Satan comes before the Lord and asks permission to tempt him. Right? It's the same concept. Each time that Satan ever blinds someone or tempts someone or, or harasses, someone, or harasses someone. someone, he cannot he do, do that, that apart from God's sovereign will. will. So... so Now, as as, as I said, that may be perplexing perplexing to a number of you, but at the same same time, time, I tell you, it's quite comforting. comforting. Why Why is it comforting? Well, well, it's it's comforting comforting to to know this. this. The The devil devil cannot cannot even breathe upon us if the Lord doesn't allow him to. to. Hold Hold on on to to that that truth. truth. He He can't can't even come come close to you you if it's it's not the Lord's will. will.
1: At the same time, it's comforting to know that if the devil is tempting us as believers...
0: That That also is the Lord's will. will. You ever thought about about that? In fact, fact, why do we pray, lead us us not into temptation? temptation? Why Why are we we praying praying that prayer unless the Lord Lord is the the one who's allowing the devil devil to bring that temptation temptation to us? He can can withhold it from from us or he can allow us to go through it. it. But But each time he does allow us to go through that temptation, what is happening? He's also providing what? A way of escape. There is a test, there is a trial that the Lord is using for our good, the devil uses it for a different reason. But there's, but there's not a single thing, thing that the devil, the devil can do apart from God's, God's holy, sovereign will. Now, now with that being said, it's also comforting to know this, this that although, although I, I have no personal power or, logic, or to logic to ever convince someone to enter into the kingdom of heaven, heaven I, don't I don't have to rely, rely on myself. I don't have to rely upon my knowledge. I don't have to rely upon, upon my gifts.
1: In fact, I'll tell you this, and I can tell you with all
0: assurance, the people that I have led to the Lord, I, I have never won, won that through my logic. logic. <laughs> in, in fact, half, half the time, time, I'm like, how in the world, world did this person, person get what I what said? I don't, I don't understand it. I mean, literally, literally I've, I've had a had couple, couple people, people I mean, I, I've, I've told you a told you couple of examples, examples before, or literally, or literally the guy just comes up to my and house and says, how can I, can I be saved? I'm like, okay, guess this guy's ready, you know? I had another woman, I was working in a booth in the airport, and like I said, this woman She just comes in and says, how do I become a Christian? There's literally how she started the conversation. It had nothing to, to do with, with anything, anything that, that I had, I had said. said. Nothing. There
1: are, there are other times where I have fumbled over every possible way that you could possibly say the gospel, and yet, yet the person, person
0: still comes to faith in Christ. Christ. But, but then there are other, other times I was killing it. I was like, boom, 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 you stink, you're horrible, here's the gospel. Just overwhelming with my logic, and yet the person's like, that doesn't make sense at all. Why is that? Because, because the, Lord the Lord has to, to change, change the heart. Right? Right? Even, even, even the greatest, greatest person who, who disagrees, disagrees with every, every aspect of sovereignty of God's stuff, you have to know that. Why do you pray otherwise for your friends to come, come to Christ? Christ? You, you have, have to know, know that in the, in the moment, Christ, Christ can, can take the dullest, dullest mind. mind, the, the most, most blind, blind person who is in a spiritual, spiritual stupor of every, possible every possible way, and make them the most attentive disciple of Christ in an instant. That's the power, power of the Holy Spirit, Spirit, you see. So you have, you have to understand, understand we, we, we want to, to know the Word of God. We want, want to be ready, ready to share the Word of God. In, God. in season of we, we want to be able to, to do, do that. To do that. But at the same time, you, you, have, have, to understand, say, you have to rely upon, upon the Holy Spirit.
1: Spirit. It, has it has nothing, nothing to, do to do with, with you. You.
0: you. You could, could talk, talk to your blue in the face, but the minute the Holy Spirit opens their eyes, those scales fall off, and they're ready. They're ready to serve the Lord. That's, That's exactly, exactly what he says. Look, Look at verse 6. six. You'll, You'll see this. Verse 6, Paul's, six. Paul's actually, actually referencing the creation, the creation account. account. There God, God says, Let light shine out of darkness, darkness and there, there was light. Right? right? He's, He's saying, saying, New creation, the, the same, same kind, kind of, of miracle, miracle right? right? In a minute, minute, someone, someone in, in which, which there was, was no, no light, there, there was no, no light, light, God says, says let, let there be light. Be light. The light comes on, and life ushers in. That's exactly how it happens. It's a miracle. That, that someone who, who had, had no, life, no life, no light, no, no understanding, now, now fully gets at it, they, they fully, fully come, come to Christ. Christ. It, it all has to do with the power of the gospel. Of the and, gospel. And, and so, as a result, if, if we're preaching, preaching the gospel and the, 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 the Spirit is assisting us in that, that we're, we're sharing, sharing the gospel, gospel we're sharing we're a testimony, there's, there's great power, power there. there.
1: Yeah. Uh, if, yeah. if we're not doing that, we're doing it in some other manner
0: where we're wasting our time.
1: So, of course, all this is to say, Paul's third point, point, that his preaching was was not not failed, failed, it was was not obscure, but rather rather that that their their hearts were obscure. Finally, Finally, here's here's the fourth
0: fourth accusation they're making. The false teachers teachers are accusing Paul of self-promotion. As As I shared with with you a couple weeks ago, ago, this is constantly putting putting him in a a, a, place place where he's he's having to defend his his ministry and talk about himself because they're constantly accusing him of things. And as soon as he talks about himself, what do they do? You're talking about yourself. You're, you're, you're constantly you're engaging in self-promotion, self-commendation. It, it, it's, it's, it's no different, different than any, any dirty politician, politician today, right? It, it, it's, it's the same it, thing. If you, you want to win a battle, a battle as a politician, politician you, don't you don't talk, talk about, about the issues. You don't talk about the, the, talk about the platform. You, you just accuse the other, other guy, guy of something. something. I mean, you just, just make it, it up. up. Who cares? cares? And then for the next, what, 10 days at least, all he can talk about is defending himself. So he cannot talk about his platform what he might possibly do to change the world, right? Either way, We'll see about that. that. But, but in, in this case, the plan, plan is working, working swimmingly, swimmingly because, because the, the Apostle Paul has spent so much time talking about himself. himself. So, it's so it's working, working to some, some extent, extent, even, even though, though, though he's, he's trying, trying to get them back, back to the gospel. The gospel. Again, Again, if you'll, if you'll notice Second Corinthians, Paul talks about himself more there than, than any other epistle. epistle. Not, not because, because he wants to, but because he has to. Because otherwise. They're, they're not going, going to listen to, to his message. message. It was, it was the, the, the primary, primary desire of these, these false teachers, teachers to constantly bring attention to him so they can tear down. In fact, fact um, but, but that's, that's exactly, exactly what they're, what they're doing. doing. They're, 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 they're constantly, constantly building, building themselves up. They're calling themselves super apostles. They're, they're looking for the commendation of men. So Paul says this, this later on, on 2 Corinthians, chapter 10, verse 12. He says, says not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but, but when they, they measure, measure themselves, themselves by one, one another and compare, and compare themselves, themselves with one another, they are without understanding. For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the, the one whom the Lord commends. So Paul keeps coming back and saying, the Lord has commended my ministry. How? By the power of the Spirit. The power of the Spirit has brought conversions, has brought people to faith in Christ. This should be proof enough. Instead, Paul is now giving us his main priority in ministry, verse 5. If you look there... In response to all of this, he says, What we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Unlike, Unlike the false, false teachers who are constantly lording their authority over everyone and constantly pointing to themselves and then trying to get them to look at Paul and how weak he is and in comparison to them, Paul does not want to spend any time proclaiming his name. He wants to spend all of his time proclaiming the, the name of Jesus, both the sinner and the because that's where the power comes in when someone talks about Christ and not themselves. And that that seems seems to be the the greatest mark mark of a true preacher. Throughout, Paul continues to reiterate this in other epistles epistles as well. Both a mark of a true preacher, as well as 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 a mark of of a true Christian, Christian is not that that they they promote themselves or proclaim anything good about themselves, but they 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 proclaim proclaim what—the goodness and righteousness of Christ. Christ. They They proclaim proclaim the the grace grace and mercy mercy of Christ. Christ. They they proclaim proclaim the power and forgiveness of Christ. Christ. Again, proclaim proclaim the superiority, the the preeminence of Christ. Christ. It's all about Christ. The same same way, Paul says, they don't see themselves themselves as lords or masters, but rather, he says in that same verse, as servants of Christ and also servants of men for Christ's sake. sake. Uh, That Uh, that last last phrase is very very important. For Christ's sake sake, or for Jesus' sake. sake. He's basically saying, uh, one one commentator put it this way. way It's a great illustration, I think. Um, you know, you man, man can, can have a, a, servant a servant or a slave, right? right. And uh, he, he might, might have, have a, a visitor, visitor who comes to his house. house. And, and when the visitor, visitor comes, he may have that servant then serve the visitor, right? Because of course, the, 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 the servant, servant is not, not the visitor's, visitor's servant. servant. He's, He's actually the owner's servant. Owner servant. servant. Make sense Do you follow me? He's saying, but for the sake of that owner of the house, he is serving the visitor's. Well the, well, the same, same way, saying, well, it's, it's not, not that, that as Christians, Christians we, are we are now slaves, slaves to men. men. No, you're no, you're a slave, slave to Christ. Christ. But, because but because you're a slave you're to Christ, Christ wants you to serve his fellow man, men. Right? Right? And, and so he's, he's constantly sending, sending you out to serve them, to, them, to show them his, his own, own glory. It all comes back again to the glory of Christ. Christ. He wants you to be a servant to men, not to be a slave to men, but rather to show you what a great Lord and master you have by how you serve. Your, your fellow man. man. And, that's
1: and that's the case, case with, with us, us as well. We are, we are slaves, slaves of Christ, honoring him, serving him by serving by others. others. As, as you know, know, in our culture today, though, there are many false gospels out there. there. I mean, I can't, I can't even count them. There's so many.
0: many. Constantly I'm being, being uh, shared, shared on, on the, the internet, internet and TV and radio and, and, and every, every other venue. Here's the question. question. How can you tell the true gospel from the counterfeits? How can you tell true from false? I've been 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 trying trying to to summarize this in a a simple way that anybody can can tell the difference. difference. I think think it comes comes down down to to two things. things.
1: First, false False gospels tend to focus on either either what we we must must do for
0: God God, or or else the the blessings blessings that God God provides. provides. They're constantly focusing, focusing in in other words, on our works
1: or or the blessings that God gives us. Like, so on, on the one hand, hand, you might have someone constantly focusing on, it. you got to do do, 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 And the, and the other one's, one's like, oh, God, God gifts, gifts, gifts.
0: But, but neither one, one of them focuses on Christ. Christ. You, see you see the difference? The difference?
1: It's, it's focusing, focusing on, on the things,
0: not, not the person, person of Christ. Christ. And, it's and it's very, very easy, easy to miss, miss that in a, in a lot, lot of preaching. preaching. Uh, someone will constantly, constantly say, you need to do this, or God is constantly giving you these things. And so you miss the true gospel. The true, the true gospel, gospel always focuses on the glory, on the glory of Christ, Christ and the knowing Christ. Christ. It doesn't, doesn't focus on the works. It doesn't, doesn't focus on the blessings. It focuses on the person of Christ. Christ. Then second, false gospels tend to either elevate man to where he becomes a hero or, or else diminishes, diminishes man to where he becomes a victim. victim. You'll, You'll see, see this, in, again, again in, in both ways. You either you have, have a sort of a legalistic, legalistic type of church, of church that's constantly saying, you're, you're going, going to be this, and you could be like this, and you can, you can do, like this, do that. Or, you're on, on the other hand, you're in one of those liberal churches that are, are constantly, constantly saying, you're horrible, and it doesn't matter. matter. It's okay, okay. You're, you're a victim. It's, it's not your fault. You'll get over it. But neither one of them tends to restore man to the original image that God had created him to be, which is the image of Christ. So, so in order, order to, to grow, grow in, your faith, in your faith, it always still comes back, back to preaching Christ. Preaching Christ. If, if you, you focus, focus on Christ, you'll have the, 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 the correct message, but then if you, if you focus on Christ, Christ, you'll also know how, also know how, how to grow in the understanding, understanding of that message. You'll continue to get better because, because now you're focusing on, on that person rather, than, than, on works, rather than, on than, than on the works, rather than on the blessings, rather than, than on elevate yourself, rather than diminish yourself. You're just focusing on Christ.
1: When you you do do that, that, everything seems to work itself out. Hmm. I mean, literally, it's the The idea you're going to to love love God with all your heart, heart. naturally Naturally, you'll begin to love your neighbor
0: as yourself. I mean, what does Jesus say? You do those two things, you don't even need the rest of the law. You don't. If you could literally just do those two things. Of course, I'm not saying just do those, but I'm saying you focus on Christ, you'll find that you grow more in love with God, and you'll find that you have learned to serve and love your fellow man more too. But, but if, if you hear really any of these other false presentations, presentations of the gospel, they're going to focus on anything on but that. It will, it will always come, come down, down to works, blessings, blessings elevation, elevation, diminishing, but not upon Christ. So, so what, do what do we need you to do? do? Simple, Simple enough. enough. Know Christ know more. Christ Pursue Christ more. Christ more. If that, that means going, going back, back to the, to the gospel, gospel and, and, going going and seeing a fresh take on Christ. Go do that. That That means means going going through through the epistles, epistles, going going through the Old Testament, Testament, seeing seeing Christ Christ there, go go do that. that. Go find Christ. Christ. Everything Everything else falls in place. place. I promise you, that's that's how it works. Find Christ, your your life will be found. You lose Christ, you're you're lost. lost. Amen? Amen. Let's Let's pray. Father, Father,
1: it it just just seems more and more simple simple to me me, uh, the longer uh, I have grown in my knowledge
0: of your scriptures. It's It's not easy easy to do, (laughs) but the the message message itself seems so simple, and and we make make it so so easily easily messed up. Father, Father, we 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 do pray. pray. Help
1: Help us us to to know Christ. Christ. Help us to to see the radiance of the the glory of Christ. Help us us to see the beauty and the the wonder and the righteousness and goodness of Christ.
0: Help us 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 to see the, the power of Christ, not only in in, in the Gospels, Gospels but in, in our own life, help us to see and to to experience that power, that, that transformation. And again, as we look continually in Christ, and are being transformed into that same image, from one degree of glory to another. We pray, Lord.